I hope you're doing well this morning. For uh, those of you I don't know, my name's Todd, and uh, I'm the pastor here this morning. And um, Cynthia kind of mentioned this earlier. If it's your first time uh, here, this is our first day in our new facility. And uh, wow, it's, uh, it's really neat to finally be in here after 17 months of planning and raising money and building. And uh, uh, God has done just amazing things. Uh, through many of you who have given so much. And I, I was going to ask uh, those of you who gave to the campaign to raise the money for this project, uh, about $440,000 at this point in time. And for those of you who helped us move and do construction, I was going to ask you to stand. But I got thinking, everybody who is a part of Hilton Head Island Community Church gave in some aspect or another. So I want to thank you as your pastor for all that you have done to see this project come to completion. Thank you very much for all your hard work. I'm going to be uh, pointing out a few people over the next few weeks that kind of uh, gave an extra effort. I don't want to do that today. Uh, because part of the reason I don't want to do that is I made you a promise when we first started this that we would give God the honor and the glory. Because as we said at the beginning of this year, this is his church. This is his building. And we do it all for his glory. We don't do it for ours. And so I want to take a moment as we um, kind of are on this new chapter, kind of turn the page here and we begin in this new building. I just want to take a moment and, and thank God for what he has done. And remind you that our role as a church is to share the good news of Jesus Christ to our community. It's not to build a building, it's not to raise money for a building, but this is a tool that I believe God is going to use in a mighty way to bring people on Hilton Head Island to him. And I want to remind us of that, I want us to be on mission. Our mission is to now go from here, using this as a launching pad to go reach our community for Christ. And so I'm excited about that. I hope you are too. I hope you catch that passion and that mission because we're going to be on it. And uh, boy, these last uh, 17 months have been all about this. But the next few months and the next years are going to be about us reaching our community for those who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And so I'm excited about that. And I just want to take a moment to give God thanks and express our gratitude to him for this place. So will you join me in a word of prayer this morning? Father, thank you so much for all that you've done. And God, we told you at the beginning of this process 17 months ago that we would give you the honor and the glory. And today we stand here on July the 15th and we give you the honor and the glory for doing what you did to get us to this point this morning. And Father, I dedicate this building to you. I dedicate every space, every square inch of this place, every quarter acre of this place, God, these three acres that we sit on, God, I pray that you would use it for your glory. And God, that you would use it as a tool to draw people to yourself. Father, may we as staff and elders and members steward it well. And may we never forget that our mission is to go from here and to share the good news of Jesus with those who don't know and who haven't heard. And God, I pray that we would be ever mindful of that. I pray that as we talk about kindness and goodness, I pray that the kindness and goodness that you showed us, God, that that would spur us on to sharing that with the people who don't know you as their Savior. 
Father God, be with us today as we dive in back into the sweet life and as we talk about the next fruit of the Spirit, God, that you gave us things that we need to become, characteristics that we need to be like. And Father, I pray that you raise up a whole army, a whole group of people in this church, your church, God, that would represent and reflect these characteristics that we're talking about this morning. God, to you be the glory for the great things that you have done. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to two different passages this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 5. And then I'm also going to ask you to turn to John chapter 4. We're just going to jump right back into kind of where we left off uh, two weeks ago. We've been walking this summer through the uh, fruit of the Spirit. And we've been making this journey uh, through what Paul described under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and what he wrote to the churches in a region called Galatia. And he writes to the churches there in Galatia and he describes different characteristics that we as Christ followers need to be like. And we call them the fruit of the Spirit. And so this summer we're making this journey through the fruit of the Spirit and the whole goal is, is that we would become people who look like and reflect these things that the Apostle Paul is speaking of and the things that he's talking about. And so we've kind of managed to get through this summer and the craziness of all this summer uh, a few of, uh, through a few of the fruit of the Spirit. But I want to remind you something uh, of something that I've reminded you of in the past, uh, these past few weeks, is this. You, you don't just wake up one day and decide to become these fruit. You just don't wake up one day and say, you know, today I feel like I'm going to be uh, lovely. Uh, I, don't, I want to wake up today and I'm just, I'm just going to decide to be joyful. Uh, you don't wake up one day and decide, you know, I'm just going to be kind today. It comes over periods of time, long periods of time, in God's Word and communicating to God the Father. Just like an apple doesn't just one day appear on an apple tree, we become like these characteristics over time spent with God. And these things are really a result of living an abundant life. And so today we come to the fifth and sixth one. We're going to be talking about them together today. And I want us to read Galatians 5, 22 and 23 together. And I'll read it out loud and then I'm going to have you go back with me and read it out loud along with me. It says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Why don't you read that out loud with me so that we get that to settle in our minds. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I think every week that we've read that out loud, I've gotten one of them wrong. So anyway, we went through that perfectly today. Um, kindness and goodness in Scripture are almost always talked about together. If you were to look up uh, 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 some commentaries on these two subjects, they're almost always dealt with at the same time. Most theologians write about them in the same context because they're so intertwined, they're so closely related, and these two things cannot be separated. They really work together. But I want you to capture something here, and this is kind of the key point, it's kind of the key principle for today, is that one comes before the other. Let me explain. Kindness is really a mindset. 
Kindness is the ability to do goodness. Goodness is an action. Kindness is kind of a state of mind. It's something that we uh, uh, become in who we are in our minds. But goodness is the result of kindness. Are you with me this morning? And they go together. They cannot be separated, but you have to have kindness before you have goodness. They cannot be separated, but you must have one before the other. And that leads us to the key point this morning on your notes there. Two key ingredients of living the sweet life are having a mindset of kindness and hands that express goodness. A mindset of kindness and hands that express goodness. Down at the bottom of your notes, there's a key thought, and I want to go ahead and give that to you this morning because I think it helps make sense of this. Kindness is the virtue. Goodness is the action. Kindness is the virtue, but goodness is the action. We have to learn to become kind in the way that we think, in the way that we process people, in the way that we process situations before we ever will have the opportunity to be good with our fellow human beings. And we're going to be talking about these two in tandem this morning. Now, to demonstrate this, I want to draw your attention to a passage of Scripture, John chapter 4. Now, maybe you have not been in church in years, and for some reason today was your first time in church. Maybe it's been a long time. Maybe you've never been in church before. Some of you uh, may have heard of this story. Some of you may have not. But it's one of the more familiar stories in Scripture. And it's the story of Jesus and um, him meeting the uh, woman at the well. And, and, and so we're going to be taking a look at what Jesus did in this particular situation to help us understand how we can develop kindness with our minds and goodness with our hands. Now, I want to give you a little bit of background before we dive into this story. This is a great story. And it's interesting because John, the Gospel of John, kind of jumps right into Jesus' life. There are four different books that explain Jesus' life and that kind of give us Jesus's, uh, the history of Jesus and what he said and what he did while he was here on earth. And Matthew and Mark and Luke kind of give some description of what happened uh, leading up to Jesus' life. But John kind of jumps right into things. And so by chapter 4, we see Jesus involved in his earthly ministry. And he's making his way from Judea, which is down in the southern part of Israel, up to Galilee. And what we find out later is, is that most of Jesus' earthly ministry takes place in Galilee. Now, those two places um, are pretty far away from each other. And so they're on this road, Jesus and his followers, they're on this road, and they're taking this journey from Judea down in the south to Galilee up in the north. And they come into a town, into an area called Samaria. Now, Samaria is like one of those little towns out in the middle of nowhere. Have you ever been on a journey, maybe on vacation, and you kind of drive through one of these little towns that kind of looks a little shady, you know, you're just not really sure who lives there, and you kind of step on the accelerator a little bit faster to get through? That's what Samaria was like. They wanted to get through Samaria, pick up some food on the way to Galilee, and get out of Samaria. And to make matters worse, all of Jesus and his disciples were of Jewish descent, and the Samaritans were kind of a mix of different people, and they did not like each other. And so we see Jesus and his disciples going through this area of Samaria, 
And it's interesting because his disciples decide they're going to go into town. And they're going to get some food. They're going to get some things that will help them on their journey. But Jesus, as he often does, he does something extremely unusual. He decides that he's going to linger. He's going to stay in an important place, at an important place, and that is a well. Now, in this climate, in this day and age, when people traveled from point A to point B, things got extremely hot, and you would get very thirsty, and, you know, their water wasn't like our nice bottled water today. It was contaminated, and they couldn't drink it. So they would come to a well where there was purified water, and they would drink from that well. And Jesus decided, rather than going into the city with his disciples, that he would stay by the well. And he would linger there at the well. Now, that's not a uh, kind of an unimportant thing to realize because what Jesus was doing in this particular time is he wanted to talk to people along the way. He wanted to talk to people as they made their journey. And we see in John 4, 7 through 26 that he has a conversation with a Samaritan woman. Take a look and let's read this passage. When a Samaritan woman came to drink water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And verse 8 says his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Isn't that interesting that Jesus mentioned living water? Sir, verse 11 says, the woman said, you have nothing to draw and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? I'm sure this woman thought this man is crazy. He's talking about living water. All I want is a drink of regular water. Verse 12, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give them will become in them a spring of living water uh, welling up to eternal life. Verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty. I mean, if a man's offering you water that will never make you thirst again, you're going to want to take it, right? And so she says, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming to draw water from this well. He told her, go, call your husband, come back. She says, I have no husband. And here's where Jesus, I think, has a, a bit of comedy here. He says to her, you're right when you say you have no husbands. The fact is, is that you have five husbands and the man that you now have isn't even your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Now, at this point in time, I'm sure this lady is like, who in the world is this guy? What is he doing here? How does he know that? Uh, and he says, when, when you have, what you've said is quite true. She answers by saying in verse 19, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. And then they go into this exchange about worship, which is important but not relevant to our message. So skip down to verse 25. The woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus gives the big reveal here in verse 25, or in verse 26. He declared, I, the one who am speaking to you, am he, the Messiah. I love this passage. I've preached on it several times, and I love this passage because you can draw so many different things. 
But I want us to draw this morning what it is about kindness and gentleness that we see here from Jesus. Take a look at your notes. Take a look at your notes. Having a mindset of kindness means, first of all, that we are aware of the needs of other people. We are aware of the needs of other people. If you have children, you know that there are times with children where they are oblivious to an obvious need. <laughs> Am I right, parents? There are times when kids are oblivious to an, uh, an obvious need. We um, recently, um, on Fridays, we have a day off, and we went to the grocery store recently, and we packed our van full of groceries for the next couple weeks, and just loaded it up, and you know, it's hot, it's, it was becoming summertime, it was a few weeks ago, it was, it was warm out, it was hot out, so we drove home, and we opened the door to our garage, and we opened the door there to our kitchen, and you know, the air conditioning is just like, you know, giving Hilton Head all kind of air conditioning out on the outside. So Cynthia and I were trying to hurry up the process of getting groceries in. We were gathering things with our arms, and we had bags all over the place, and the kids went in, and they, they started playing. And so we were carrying stuff in as quickly as possible to not let the food go bad and to not, you know, air condition all of Hilton Head on our dime. And all of a sudden, one of the kids, who will remain nameless for this story, comes running around the corner, Mommy! Daddy! Mommy! Daddy! And we thought, oh my goodness, something has happened here. You know, wh wh where's the blood? Where's the broken bone? Where's the dog? You know, what has happened here? And as they come flying around the corner, and they have a toy in their hand, and they say, it's out of batteries. We need batteries. <laughs> Oblivious to the obvious need, am I right? <laughs> If you're a parent, you've had that happen, maybe multiple times. We, as humans, can be oblivious to the obvious needs around us sometimes, can't we? We see someone in need, and we walk by. We have a friend who's going through a crisis, and we ignore them. We see someone who's going through a time of hurt, and we maybe turn around literally the other way and ignore, for whatever reason, the need that they're going through, all because we're focused on us. It's a me, me, me mentality. And I want to submit to you this morning that that's not a problem with our actions first. We don't have a lapse of action when kindness eludes us. We have a problem with our mindset. We're not aware of those needs, or we are ignoring those needs around us. Jesus realizes that this woman has a physical need for water, but he uses that to engage in a conversation with her about spiritual things. And seemingly, he's focused on his own needs, but in reality, Jesus is trying to strike up a conversation with this woman because he is aware that she has a spiritual need. I want you to capture this. For us to do good things for other people, we first and foremost have to be aware of the needs around us. Jesus' whole purpose was to meet spiritual needs, but he often did it through the physical, didn't he? He turned water into wine. He drew water from a well. He turned loaves, a loaf, and fish into feeding 5,000 he often met the spiritual need through that thing which is physical. And so we have to have a mindset of kindness that makes us aware of the needs of others around us. But secondly, having a mindset of kindness means that we have a sincere interest in the success of others. 
that we have a sincere interest in the success of others. Now, Jesus was more concerned about her spiritual needs, but he also met her physical needs. But he was concerned about her so much so that he brought up the whole issue with she and her husband's. He was all God, as we know from Scripture. That's what Scripture tells us. And he's all man at the same time. He knew what she was going through, and he was deeply and sincerely concerned about this woman at this moment. And that's why he was able to have a mindset of kindness. We so often withhold that thing which will help meet the need of another. When Sydney was uh, three years old, we were playing a little puzzle game. I'm pretty sure it was a princess game. And it had maybe a couple dozen uh, puzzle pieces, and we opened it up, and we went through, and we made a puzzle. And we got right to the end, and the last piece of that puzzle was missing. And, And I looked kind of underneath where we had made the puzzle, and I looked under the box, and I looked around on the floor, and I got up from where I was sitting, and I looked where I was sitting, and I couldn't find that piece of puzzle. I was about ready to go in the garbage and go dumpster diving to try to find that piece of puzzle because it was bothering me so much, and she got a little grin on her face. (laughs) And she reached out her hand, and there was the piece. (laughs) And I learned a lot about my little girl that day, and so we had a little laugh about that. And uh, she's grown up to uh, be that kind of comedian anyway, and she likes joking around and that sort of thing. And she had it right there. She was withholding the last piece of the puzzle. And that's what we often do with people. We may know how to help them, but we withhold that. And boy, we as Christ followers are so good at withholding the answer to people's eternal problem, aren't we? We're so good at withholding that, even though the Bible says that's our mission. That's the thing that we need to be on. Jesus had the solution to her problem. He says that everyone who drinks this water will become thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. And he goes on to talk about eternal life. Having a mindset of kindness means that we have a sincere interest in the success of other people. Kindness will often elude us. And for some of you today, it's getting in the mindset of being aware and being truly concerned about others. The second major point there on your notes this morning, and this is where the rubber meets the road, and this is, we've talked about kindness and having a mindset of being kind and thinking about people with an awareness and with a sincerity, but the next part is actually doing the good work. Having hands that express goodness mean, first of all, that we recognize the goodness of God. Our God is a good God, isn't he? He is a great God. And he takes care of his people. And he watches over his church. And some of you may be in here today and you're saying to yourself, you know what? God's not been good to me lately. I mean, we're in the midst of a five-year recession that's going into year six, right? God's not been good to me, Todd. How in the world can you say that God is good? Well, I think that sometimes we just need to stop for a moment and think about all the good things that he has done. It may be that the finances aren't great. It may be that the home life is not great. But I guarantee you, if you stop for a moment and begin to dwell on and begin to think about the things that God has done that are good, you can come up with quite a few. I mean, he has given us so much. He's given us creation. He's he's given us the ability to have other people in our lives that we can have relationships with. Those of you who are Christ followers in here, he's given us the ability to accept him 
as our Savior. And for those of you who are in here and you haven't, I'll give you the opportunity to do that at the end of the message. He's given us the opportunity to have eternal life with him in heaven one day, even though we've sinned and disappointed him. Luke talks about this in Luke 6.35. He says, love your enemies and do good to them. We'll talk about that in a moment. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and your children will be of the most high because he is kind. Here's the premise of, of Luke's statement here. He is kind. God is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. God is even kind to those. He has done amazing things for us. His goodness is remarkable if we will just stop and take time to dwell on his goodness. I bet you can come up with a pretty good list. I bet you can come up with a pretty good list if you stop and begin to think about God's goodness. And that's the foundational step is to being good is to think about what God has done to you and those things that he's given you that are so good. Romans 2, 4 talks about this the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church in Rome, and he says, Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead us to repentance? God's kindness is so strong and it's so good that it can lead us to repentance when we think about it. Some of you might need to be good to begin to dwell on those areas where God has blessed you and begin to think about how God has been good to you. And so that's the foundational element in being good. It is difficult. Here's the key point here. It is difficult for us to be good unless we realize that our Father, God, is good. It's very difficult for us to be good to others until we realize that God is good. The second point there, having hands that express goodness means also that we are prepared to act when an opportunity arises that we are prepared to act when an opportunity arises. This past week, um, Cynthia and I were supposed to be on a staycation. Um, I love staycations, man. They're great. You spend like half the money in, hey, look where we live. I mean, my goodness. So we were supposed to be on a staycation this week. We had planned it back in January, and all of our friends were coming in. Well, <laughs> we didn't go on a staycation. We just met up with our friends who were in town uh, for a little bit because we were trying to get uh, everything ready for this week and, and moving into the new building. But we went out on Wednesday night with our friends, and we got a babysitter for all the kids. And these are longtime, lifelong friends. And we were sitting around over dinner, and one of the guys, uh, my friend, tells a story about how he was at a store, and a guy approached him and, and needed a ride. <laughs> and he said, and I gave him a ride. And we all were kind of like, you let a stranger get in the car with you? Really? Did you do this? And he told us kind of how that went. And it got the guys kind of talking at the table there that night about what extent would we go to to help someone out? And I got thinking about that. What extent would I go to to help a stranger out? I wouldn't do what he probably did and let a stranger in my car without knowing a little bit more about the situation. Um, and I'm not suggesting here that you do that kind of thing. Please hear me on that. Be smart and be careful. But, you know, it got, a, got me thinking and it got all of us thinking about what extent would we go to as Christ followers to help someone out. And, you know, Jesus was willing to give his life for us. And therefore, we need to be able to, we need to be willing to act when the opportunity arises. 
I think that sometimes if we don't have an understanding of what God has done for us, the goodness that which, with which God operates with us, then we are not prepared to act when others need a kind word from us, when others need for us to help them out, maybe to provide a meal for someone who's hurting, to provide counsel and an encouraging word for someone who's going through a bad time. But we ought to use our gifts. We ought to use those areas that God has gifted us in. Peter talks about this, 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Matthew, Jesus is talking in Matthew, and he goes as far as to say when we serve other people, when we do good for other people, that we are serving him. In Matthew 25, 40, the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for who? For me. For me. You see, when you're good, when you have the mindset of kindness and the hands of goodness, you're not just serving someone else, you're serving Jesus. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? But Luke talked about it there in that verse in Luke 6.35, and it's our last point this morning. Having hands that express goodness means that we are willing to share it with friends and enemies. Oh, man, being good is easy to people you love, isn't it? Oh, it's easy to be good to people you love. Oh, but boy, those people that irritate you, those people that drive you crazy, those people you've had conflict with, no elbows right now, okay? Those people you've had conflict with, it's difficult to be good to them, isn't it? But Jesus says that we ought to love our enemies. But love your enemies, verse 35 says. Do good to them. Same word, by the way, that Paul used there. Same root word that Paul used back in Galatians. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. You know what that is? That means doing good. I want you to catch this with no strings attached with no expectation that you're going to get good from them in return. And by the way, if they're your enemy, you're probably not. So set the bar low, okay? <laughs> we ought to do good for those who we love and even for those who it's hard to love. That's what Jesus did. That's the model. And that's the model that we ought to have in our lives this week I came across an article. This is something that just happened within the last couple weeks. And I want to read it to you. It's about a, a man who died and his dying wish was to help others. I want to read this to you. You may have heard about this in the news. This is actually from an article from a, a, a newspaper. A man's dying wish for a random act of kindness turn in, turned into a waitress's good fortune in Kentucky. And now more struggling restaurant servers could be in for a generous surprise. Relatives of Aaron Collins, 30, who died on July the 7th, carried out his last wish by giving a random waitress in Lexington, Kentucky, a $500 tip after their pizza dinner. Isn't that great? Aaron never had much money, and he didn't even have enough money to make this happen. So his, this is his brother speaking. So I started a website and took donations, Seth Collins says. On July 10th, we were able to make his wish come true for the first time. And the waitress says, I'm going to be telling the story for the rest of my life. And she said that she was going to pass some of that on to the cooks and that sort of thing. The surprise tip was so successful and heartfelt that Collins' relatives have since decided to continue to raise money for random acts of kindness and generosity. More than $10,000 has been raised on AaronCollins.com as of this past Friday. 
and there have been over 600,000 YouTube hits on the YouTube video of this actually happening in this restaurant. Amazing story. Isn't that incredible? 500 bucks, and you ought to see, if you go watch, you ought to see this girl's uh, uh, surprise as she gets a $500 tip. Now, I don't know Aaron Collins at all. I don't know his family. I don't know if they're Christ followers. But you know what? He got kindness and goodness, didn't he? And you know what? Not, it ought to be not the world that leads in these aspects of kindness and goodness. It ought to be the church. And what a great message for us today as we kind of open up this new chapter, as we close an old chapter and open up a new chapter of Hilton Head Island Community Church. Church, we have a responsibility to think about people with kindness and to act towards them with goodness. We, as a church, should be the torchbearers in this aspect, shouldn't we? We should be the ones who are leading the charge because we represent Christ. We ought to be the ones who are leading the charge and being kind and good. Yeah, you're not going to wake up one day and decide, yeah, I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be good. I'm going to go out there and do a random act of kindness. It takes a lot of time, spending time in God's Word, communicating with Him, talking to your Father. And so for the Christ follower who's in here today, maybe you're challenged to begin to think about people with a new awareness, to think about them with a greater concern. Maybe your challenge is to go out this week, and maybe that's your homework assignment, to go out this week because you already have the mind of Christ. That kindness thing is you got that down. But maybe you need to be challenged to go out there and do one good thing this week to help someone else out. That's living the sweet life that the Apostle Paul was talking about. That's living the abundant life in Christ that he wants us to live. That's being the best that you can be for God. I realize some of you are in here, and maybe it's your first time in church in a long time. And maybe you're in here today, and you've never considered the fact that you could spend eternity in heaven with God one day. Well, I want to tell you it's true. The kindness and goodness that we just talked about, that God showed for us, you can accept that kindness and goodness like some of us have. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus rose from the dead, you will be saved. All those sins that maybe the, your past church experience made you feel guilty about, man, there's no guilt required with Jesus Christ. No guilt required. When God sent his son to die on the cross... He did it for you so that you could live guilt-free and so that you could have an eternity with him in heaven one day. And so I want to invite you, if you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, if you've never asked for that kindness, uh, asked to take advantage of that kindness and goodness that God showed humanity, I want to encourage you to do that here in just a moment. Will you pray with me? If you're in here today and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now, to accept the greatest act of kindness and goodness that has ever been shown. And that is, is that God sent His Son Jesus to die for each one of us. And all we have to do is believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that He rose from the dead. So if you're in here today and you've never made that step, I want to encourage you to do that right now. I want to encourage you to live a guilt-free life in Christ. And so I'm going to ask you, if you have never done that, just to pray this prayer 
along with me silently in your heart, just in the quietness of this room. It goes like this. God, thank you for making me. Thank you, God, for loving me and being kind and good to me. And today, I confess of all of my sins of the past, and I believe, Jesus, that you died for me. Help me to get rid of all of that guilt and all of that junk that uh, people have told me for a long time. And help me to live for you. If you pray that prayer in the quietness of this room, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you pray that prayer, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. I promise I won't embarrass you. If you prayed that prayer, amen. Amen. Any others in the, here this morning? Anyone else? We prayed that prayer this morning. Amen. Father God, thank you for these who have today given their life to you. God, thank you for these souls who will spend eternity with you in heaven because of a decision that they made on July 15th in 2012. And God, I pray for those who are gathered here who absolutely know that they're going to heaven, God. And I thank you for those Christ followers who are in here this morning. Father God, help us to work on these aspects of being kind. Help us to have the mindset of being aware of those needs around us. Help us not to be oblivious to the obvious needs of people. And God, help us to have the hands of goodness, the ability and the courage to go to action in serving others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.